Nutritionally, we should think the same, that once I create a meal plan that works for me, if I can give that a chance, if I can objectively test that, I'm gonna have a better chance of seeing what the effect really is. If it's pure chaos in the form of flexibility, well, just, you know, as long as the math works, eat whatever you want, whenever you want, there is a, enough variability there that you may have fluctuating results and never know what's, what's really helping. What is up, Fit Farm fam? Welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. My name is Dr. Adam Martin. I am a practicing pharmacist, nutrition consultant, author, and lover of living life to the fullest. Each episode on the podcast, I will dispense to you an innovator and expert in the world of healthcare so they can share their story, their struggles, and best practice tips to empower you to nail your nutrition, master your mindset, fit in fitness, and take your level of impact to the next level with simple solutions for how to live with passion and purpose. Thank you for spending your time with me today. Now let's discuss how to dispense your full potential. If you're on social media at all, or any media for that matter, intermittent fasting has probably come to light. Now, if you're in club pharmacy, intermittent fasting just might be how the day goes. You know, you might skip breakfast or have it, you work your 8, 12, 13-hour shift, and then you get to eat again. And then you think, wait, this is actually a dieting protocol? This is just club pharmacy. This is how I do it. No, there is actually a huge movement in nutrition and fitness world known as intermittent fasting. And I want to address this as this is a question that keeps coming up. How do you do it? Does it really work? Is it effective? And is it right for me? So rather than talk about it, I have decided to bring on the expert on nutrition in the world, Dr. Joe Klumzeski, founder of The Diet Doc LLC. Dr. Joe, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. So if you guys don't know, Dr. Joe has been in the nutrition and fitness world for since you were born? <laughs> very, very close, yes. And he's an absolute master. Um, I've actually worked with him personally since about 2013 and been following him and actually been in business with him since that time. And he is a tremendous mentor and just master of all things nutrition and fitness. So having him on here is a huge honor. And I'm really excited to dive in because he's going to share some really awesome value for you guys in addressing this topic. So I want to start with one main thing. What is intermittent fasting? Yeah, it certainly came to the forefront, I think, a couple years ago, especially when it got refined through the phrase time-restricted eating. And really, as you said, Adam, it, it came about decades ago in just different forms. Uh, you know, you could just skip a couple meals or spread your meals out. Some people way back in, in even the forming or formative years of the ketogenic movement would, would simply ask their people to only eat two or three times a day. And then it was this massive gut load of, of protein and fat. And, and so people have experimented with different forms of that. And, and I think that's why in the 90s, the whole bodybuilder-ish grazing slash six meals a day protocol became very popular because that was the normal pendulum swing totally in the other direction. Uh, everybody, quote, 
air quote new uh, to lose weight, you needed to, to skip meals, stop eating between meals, don't eat late at night. So people would go back to kind of the three meal a day protocol. Some people took that even further into two. And in the alternative health world, a lot of people were experimenting with, with pure fasting, going just maybe with one meal a day. I remember probably more than 20 years ago, sitting in a lecture by a guy who promoted a form of intermittent fasting as an athletic coach where you would just eat one meal a day. And that was an absolute shitload of food, obviously, <laughs> one time a day, and then you don't eat for the next 23 and a half hours. So there have been many, many forms that have evolved over the years, but the latest is this time-restricted model where people are trying to get all of their food in an eight-hour window and then not eat for 16 hours. And that's, that's the current phase that I think most of culture is in. So do you see different implications with that, the, uh, the current phase of the 16-hour window? As it relates to general population, people that are you know just trying to be healthy and live day to day lives, as opposed to an athlete who's looking to compete in a sport or really just up their fitness game to the next level, um, are there differences between those two groups? And what what's like what's like the rage now? Like, is it effective? What what can we do with that? Is it actually going to work? Yeah, I think first of all, it, it's not necessary, but in some populations, it can be helpful. So an example is that the way most people do it because they find it just easier to do is simply skip breakfast. And again, remember how the pendulum swings from one extreme to the other. What have we been told for decades? You know, eat breakfast like a king and then decrease all the way down. A good breakfast is important. You've heard all those things and it has even been supported by research where people who eat a solid breakfast, whole food breakfast, especially if it has a good amount of protein, naturally, kids and adults simply eat fewer calories than throughout the day. Uh, there are implications for metabolism and so forth. So with all that being, quote, a known quantity, the easiest thing to do to get a marketing niche is to say, well, let's just throw out that conventional wisdom and say that was always wrong. You know, that, gets, that's, that always gets people's attention to say everything that you knew was, was wrong and now we know better. Oh, yeah. We've got the secret. And so people are simply saying, okay, if I have to eat in an eight-hour window, I can just skip breakfast, wait till lunch at noon, and then eat that, maybe uh, an afternoon snack and dinner. And, and they feel more sated that way because you go into your evening and, and especially going to bed without feeling like you're starving, where prior to that, uh, you know, you're, you're probably young enough to, or old enough to remember people would just say, you know, don't eat, don't eat after 6 p.m. or don't eat after dinner. That kind of effectively almost made the same window. You just weren't eating at night. Um, just to just to touch on your question about a, a training population or an athletic population, uh, that can still work depending on when you train. You can certainly do your training in that window of time where you're eating food and therefore have more food for performance, food for recovery. But even if, if you just have a little bit of body fat to lose and you want to tough it up and just be disciplined, you, you can certainly miss a meal or two. You're still eating three or more meals in an eight-hour span. It's certainly not the most effective for your performance if you're training in that fasted window, but it, it can be done, just, just not you know, what I would consider the, the best protocol. Thank you for explaining that. And I'm glad that you went there talking about, is it most effective? Um, in the pharmacy world, we're limited on time and we're all about what's most effective. 
And for those of us listening who are trying to up their nutrition and fitness game, we, we, you know, we'd love to spend two hours in a kitchen, you know, cooking breakfast and this and that. But reality is we want to really take things that are effective and practical and help us to align to our goals. So with that being said, looking at intermittent fasting with what the research says for a general population, if, if you're you know, a busy professional looking to increase your health, how does intermittent fasting as a tool stack up in the effective category compared to other eating strategies that are out there? Okay, so first of all, remember the foundational block or step for effective weight management is total energy, total calories. And we do know because of the ratios and the substrates of energy that we use, whether it's carbohydrate, fat, protein, all of those stored sources inside of our body, you can definitely create better patterns for using body fat as energy if that's your goal. So one of the things that I like to, to tell people is, you know, let's, let's look at how your body digests food, how much you can assimilate at that time, and then let's look at those options. So if I was a pharmacist and I had a 12-hour shift coming up, it, I, I would say, well, first of all, I'm not going to skip breakfast because I might not be able to eat for the next eight hours. I know how busy you guys are. So I'm going to eat before and after for sure. And then even if I have to do something like a pretty quick meal in between, you know, that's, that's going to be okay. So that, that makes intermittent fasting a little bit more flexible. That's, that's why I don't like that eight and 16 hour window because it gives people these hard boundaries that they think they, they have to uphold. And, and that's just not true. So I, I would definitely, you know, eat at those times where you can most effectively, as you said, Adam, eat the highest quality, best food. It, it's not going to be slamming down bars and shakes behind the counter or in the bathroom you know, at the pharmacy, you know, eat, eat, eat the best food in the, in the best environment when you can. And then that way you can, you can have more flexibility when your time is limited. Uh, as far as what's most effective, you know, you, you can eat more food than your body can handle at one time. You will simply store that. You'll store extra carbs as glycogen. You'll store extra dietary fat as body fat. And then in between meals, you'll use that. So if somebody's eating every two or three hours, they clearly need to have smaller meals because that extra stored energy would just stack up, uh, be stored as body fat. But if you're not going to eat for six or seven hours, absolutely, you can have a little bit larger meal and, and you're going to feel like you're doing better. So that's an excellent question that I wanted to bring up is storage. So that's a basic concept with weight loss is calories in, calories out. That's the main concept with, with all the the diets out there. So looking at two diets, so intermittent fasting and just your standard way of eating every few hours. If looking at both of those diets, the total calories for the day are the same, but with intermittent fasting, we take the two meal approach and you have, as we know, if you eat too much at one meal, that just gets stored. Is there any difference as far as fat storage or energy levels comparing those two dieting strategies of just the standard, you know, three to five meals a day compared to the intermittent fasting approach, given that both total calories in a day are the same? Yes, I'm going to answer this with an emphatic, dogmatic answer to your question, but then I'm going to give you a couple caveats. So uh, when you spread your food out into more usable 
uh, amounts of volume, you are always going to lose faster and more effectively. So same calories, same person, same day, you, you will always do better having smaller meals. But here's the, fir- here's the first caveat. That doesn't mean they have to be equal in size. They don't have to be equal in time distribution uh, because your, your energy expenditure is not like that. So consider, you know, when you wake up, if you're not going to do any training in the morning, your, your body temperature is a little bit lower, your metabolism is a little bit slower. And so maybe you don't need a massive breakfast right away. But in and around your training times, you, you might use some more food, your metabolism is certainly going to increase for the next couple of hours. Uh, hunger patterns are one thing to consider. We're not, we're not going to talk about behavior, I don't think on this episode. But when you're in an intermittent fast, it's a lot easier to get hungrier and then overeat at those subsequent meals. But, but absolute objective data comparatively between the two, smaller meals so you can assimilate that so you don't store new body fat, and then so you can more quickly access body fat will, will always be better than intermittent fasting. But the one thing I do like that intermittent fasting has brought to the nutrition industry is it has completely changed people's minds from thinking that they have to eat every couple of hours or they're going to die. You know, if I don't eat enough time, you know, I'm going to lose all my muscle tissue, my metabolism is going to tank. And those are the things that are just not true. Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I used to eat that way for years. Back when I was like, oh, bodybuilding's awesome. I still think bodybuilding's awesome. But back in the day when I first got into it, it was every two hours on the dot. If it's two hours and one minute, there's catabolism, like all my gains are going down the drain. And I lived that way for a long time. And it was so black and white. It, it makes me laugh now, but it's, it's also kind of sad. You know, and, and some of that, of course, I was the same as you're describing. And some of that may be when you're in your late teens and 20s, you know, you do have a higher metabolic capacity. And so that, that can work for you and toward those goals of gaining muscle and, and being more anabolic. But, you know, it, not only is it still not the most effective thing for back then, or I should say it's, it's not as necessary, you're certainly not going to create a catabolic environment just in, in one span between meals. But it really does give people options to consider their social desires. What, what is my job like, which is the key focus of today's podcast. And if I'm going to have to employ some form of intermittent fasting, even just for part of my day, how can I effectively bolster those times? What are the foods I can eat, you know, at these different times of day to to still meet my goals? That's really a good point is the practicality of it and how it applies to your life. Um, In my new book, RxU, the main concept that I bring up over and over is what I learned from you and has really changed my life, Dr. Joe, that being structured flexibility. Um, That has literally changed my life. And the more I think about it and apply it to all areas, whether it's, you know, pharmacy or personal development, relationships, all of those things, it just really makes life simple, not easy, but if you can, you know, anchor onto one simple concept that applies to all areas, but still be flexible. So again, there's structured flexibility right there, having the structure of a concept, but being able to flexibly implement it um, has really been amazing. So thank you so much for introducing me to that so many years ago. Well, I I appreciate that. And, you know, it it is such an important concept because especially somebody who doesn't necessarily do nutrition for a living, this is not your main MO, you, you you do end up kind of a slave to the information you're given. 
and and these these pendulum swings are crushing to somebody in the middle just trying to figure this stuff out and and I'll give you a real quick example of structured flexibility as as a pharmacist your your life is based on objectivity right mm-hmm. um you know you give the wrong prescription the wrong dose the wrong amount that's that's going to wreak havoc with somebody's health and life and nutritionally we we should think the same that once i create a meal plan that works for me if I can give that a chance, if I can objectively test that, I'm going to have a better chance of seeing what the effect really is. If it's pure chaos in the form of flexibility, well, just, you know, as long as the math works, eat whatever you want, whenever you want, there is enough variability there that you may have fluctuating results and never know what's, what's really helping. So it's, it's incredibly important, I think, to build a structure, a, a base for the amount of food you're consuming the meals that you're consuming, test that out a little bit, and then you can be flexible where you want, uh, and, and it helps keep that momentum moving forward where you're learning along the way. Absolutely. And something that's just mesmerizing by what you do is when you have some sort of concept that's you know big, you put that into practice. Um, I remember you saying uh, several years ago, I think you went, was it vegan or vegetarian? Uh, I, w- I did a couple stints, to, mostly for research. One, one was when I was in uh, grad school, and one was a couple years ago. But yeah, I was uh, the first time was totally vegan, and then the second time was more of a lacto-ovo-vegetarian. And you stuck to it for a long period of time, and you were monitored. You had the blood work, all of that stuff to answer that question in in the bodybuilding world. Like, will lowering the protein intake sacrifice my years and years of of muscle gains and strength? Uh, and I, I was blown away by by the results of that. I don't know if you want to touch on that. I know this is a little tangential. Tangential. I don't know. I'm saying the word wrong. <laughs> no, that is. You got it. Discussion, but I just find that so fascinating that you take this and adopt that as your lifestyle so you can really see the outcomes of implementing that. And like you said, sticking to it, having that structure so that from the outcome, you can kind of twist it with that flexibility. Yeah, I'm always interested in both sides of science. I think sometimes we we look too closely at just one research study, and and then we adopt that as as new dogma. And I'm I'm a big fan of of starting very broadly, looking at all the accepted research that's been compiled and peer reviewed in in a textbook. Then look at some of the nuances of new studies coming out. All of that's great, but you still have to understand how valuable anecdotal and case study research can be. Mm. So uh, as a practitioner, you know, my, my goal in nutrition, I'm, I'm not a biochemist. I don't get into that. It's always been more of a clinical setting role for me. And so I want to know how these things work, not on paper, but in reality. So, you know, tens of thousands of clients over the, the decades, but it's, it's more, uh, important, I think, for me to feel that myself and uh, and go through what I'm asking other people to experience. I just am blown away by all of that. It it's so cool to see someone put that into practice and then see the results too. Uh, but I, coming back to intermittent fasting, I think a really important caveat with that, because um, as a pharmacist, it, it seems very appealing. You know, oh, I, I don't, I work for long times. I'm busy. Just don't eat, and I'll be able to hit my goals too. But something that you hinted at is the behavioral implications with that and how in some cases, some situations that can lead to overeating, 
um, with the psychology of, oh, well, I didn't eat all day, so I'm allowed to da-da-da, or however that might go. Um, so do you want to touch on some implications that intermittent fasting can have on the behavioral outcomes with sticking to your nutritional plan and fitness goals? Yeah, so I am a physical scientist. I, you know, my second PhD was in health science education, and I always come down to that as the cornerstone first. What is happening physiologically? Because that base of operation will then affect my psychology. Psychology can be separate, of course, but physiology is critical. And one quick example, I, I love to do my training in the late afternoon before I go home. And sometimes I think, okay, I've just had this amazing workout, just hardcore stuff, and I'm going to be home in 30 or 45 minutes where I'm going to have a great whole food meal, so I'll just, I'll just wait you know, until, I, until I go home to eat. And then by the time I get there, now I've had this you know, 30 to 60 minutes where I'm just increasing hunger, my metabolism's just you know, raging because of my training, and I will absolutely destroy twice as much food if, if I would have just eaten something. So... I've learned the behavior of when, I, when I'm done training, just take a scoop of protein powder, just eight ounces of water, scoop of protein powder, 100 calories just from protein. That starts my recovery anyway, so that's better. And then I go home and that's one simple little behavior. I can completely wait until dinner's ready and have a nice normal dinner and enjoy it. And, and that's, that's how one tiny decision can affect somebody's entire dieting process. I love that. Um, I've been implementing that for, for years. One of my health hacks, I have just, you know, put a scoop in a Ziploc bag in my gym bag, shaker cup, and then literally as soon as I'm done with my last set, pound that and it helps stave off that uncontrollable hunger that you feel it just directs your life. So I, I agree that really works well. I don't have time to work out. Eating healthy is not possible as a pharmacist. There's so many things to juggle. I just feel so stressed out. I can barely even keep it together. Guys, if this is you, I totally understand. I have been practicing pharmacist full time for over seven years. I've been through the hurdles, living through the trenches, and through my time with that, have developed simple solutions to help empower you to not only fit in fitness, but nail your nutrition and master your mindset, empowering you to lead by example through living a healthy lifestyle. I put all these solutions in an easy to read, applicable, and simple guide for you to read in my new book, RxU, The Pharmacist's Guide for Managing Stress and Fitting in Fitness. If you haven't gotten your copy, check the show notes for a link so that you can get yours today and get started to dispense your full potential. So another cool thing is knowing the context because at other parts of the day, I might do something different. I... I do a little bit of a cardio in the morning. I, I just like to do something to get my blood flowing, and it just helps me cerebrally get, get focused on the day. So I will come to work, and I used to just kind of force a breakfast in. I'm not even hungry. I'm just doing it because I have to. But I've gotten in the habit of coming, coming into work, you know, getting on the bike for 20 minutes or something. Then I'll make a great morning smoothie, frozen fruit, protein powder, this, that. And because that's a liquid meal, you know, it's probably not going to take more than about two hours until I start feeling kind of hungry. Mm -hmm. But I will look at the clock and say, you know what, you know, just go another hour, just go another hour and drink some water, you get busy and then it's totally fine. So there are points in your day where you need to cognitively know, I really don't need this food. I just ate two hours ago. And so a little hunger is okay. 
where, as I just mentioned, at the other time of the day, in that context, it may, it may create a worse behavior. Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you say that. The concept that I relate with that is keep it together for short periods of time. Um, in, in the end of my book, I talk about how regardless of what your goal is, be it nutrition or fitness or getting a new skill, there's five things you can do to guarantee follow through. And one of those is keep it together for short periods of time. A lot of times we, we, we ha it's good to have the end goal, but we look at where we are now and the end goal and there's such a disparity, it just kind of overwhelms us and puts us into inaction. So instead of looking at all the things you have to do from now until 10 years from now to get your ultimate dream, what can you do today or break that down 12 hours or one hour to move you forward towards that next step and then towards that next step. So keeping it together for short periods of time, um, that one concept is what really helped me during my last prep when I did my bodybuilding show. Because just like you said, you start getting those urges and feelings and, and they're not real. They could be, they're real, but they could just be extraneous and not really valuable to what you're trying to accomplish. So just saying like, what can I do in this one hour to get me to the next hour and then the next hour? And just keeping that together for short periods of time will allow you to get to the next day. Absolutely. I love that, man. Just, just one good decision at a time. And then stack it up and you've got that, you've got that full potential to dispense. So I, I love that. Well, that has been really insightful for intermittent fasting. I know I get a ton of questions. I'm sure you do as well. Um, being the founder and president of The Diet Doc, an amazing company that I've had the honor of working with and being a part of uh, since back in 2013. And I see that going for many years to come. So thank you, Dr. Joe, for all of your mentorship, all of your insightfulness and just guidance along the way. And for today, for sharing all of your wisdom on intermittent fasting. Well, thanks for having me, Adam. You are awesome. And I love the work that you're doing as well. So I appreciate you, buddy. Hey, thank you, man. It all stemmed from uh, you believing and, and giving me that support. So again, structure and support really has the value. And here it is playing out in a podcast. I love it. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is Dr. Adam Martin signing off with Dr. Joe Klumzeski on the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. All right, Fit Farm fam. Until next time, I am out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the show. If you are new to the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Your time is invaluable, and I sincerely appreciate you sharing it here. Most importantly, hit that subscribe button so you get a fresh new podcast episode every single week. Also, please leave a rating and review for the show. I sincerely hope that you got at least one golden nugget of knowledge from this episode. If you did, please share this with one person who you can help dispense their full potential. That is how this community will grow organically. I don't ask for anything in return, so thank you for your action of support. 